So, um, Joey asked me to talk about trust today, and I found that that's very unfair because I struggle with trust more than probably any person you've ever met. The people that know me are the ones shaking their head right now. They're like, yeah, absolutely, the guy struggles with trust. Um, but I do trust my homies, and Joey made a reference last week to Austin the Grouch, so I wore my Rolling With My Homies Sesame Street shirt um, because it represents the people that I trust in my life. Trust, originally trust came for me very easily. It wasn't something that I struggled with. It was something I gave very freely. Uh, it wasn't until there were a couple of experiences in my life where I lost a couple of friends. Um, one of my really, really good friends tried to kill herself um, only to actually be saved, and then she was killed again doing mission works um, in China. And so it was a very difficult time for me where my trust was rocked, not just because I'd lost someone that I trusted, but because I lost, there was a lot of faith in God that was, that was rocked there too. Uh, meanwhile, when I was back at home um, in West Virginia, I, I don't know if you all know this, but I grew up in West Virginia, and we are not known for our tact. Um, we are not known for our technology, uh, known for a lot of things. But one of the things we are known for is our honesty. We are blatant, blatantly honesty. My wife will vouch for my mother. My mother is almost too honest at times. Um, but my friends, I, I didn't trust them because they were awesome people, right? I didn't trust them because of the integrity of their character. I trust them because I knew they had my best interest in mind. Um, one of the hardest things I ever went through was with my best friend at the time. We were working on this house together. We had gone in on a house, which I know is not super wise, but I'd done it anyway. And um, through, a, through a series of, of events that I can't even begin to describe to you, my trust was betrayed. Um, we had a very big argument over a woman which was not a woman I was seeking, but a woman he was dating at the time. It was very difficult for me. I was 20 years old. It was the first time that my trust had really been tested. It's the first time that I had lost a friend over someone else. It was the first time that I felt really, really lied to. It was the first time at all that I had ever doubted my friends. I know that 20 seems late because most people here have probably experienced a lot of loss early on in life. They've probably had a lot of trouble with whether it's immediate family, parents, anything. I had a great family. I grew up in a safe place. I grew up around good friends that were, that were faithful and trusted me. But at this point, it was like all of that came crashing down because I had put so much faith in that one person. And so everybody struggles with trust. Trust is one of those things that's just a deep topic. We could talk about it for five minutes or for five hours, and we could go on with story after story after story of how our trust has been betrayed by things or by people. So today what I want to talk about is trusting God, finding joy in trusting God. I find it best to start with Scripture, so if you want to grab your Bibles and swing with me to Psalm 20, that's where I'm going to start. It says, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May He send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May He remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation. In the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Let's set this psalm up a little bit. This is David, king of Jerusalem, speaking about war. This is a prayer for him to go into war and have victory. And we've talked about before how David is a warrior. And I can't think of anything that has bigger stakes than war. I can't think of any place where trust is more needed than war. 
Now, I've never been in war. I've never served in the military. My only experience with the military is playing taps on the honor guard. But the stories that were told to me were amazing. One of my, uh, one of my good elderly friends was saying that there are no atheists in foxholes. He's like, everyone cries out for salvation when they're at war. And so that's how I picture David. Now, David, by our standards, has every reason to trust in himself. By our standards. He is a warrior's warrior. He has men that are mighty warriors that follow him. He has defeated many adversaries. He's killed many men. He is the king. Now, I don't know what your job title is, but I, I guess that it, king would kind of trump your job title, right? So by, all, by our account, he has every reason to trust in himself, but he doesn't. David, as the lead general, as the king, as the worship leader of Jerusalem, is imploring his people to trust God. He is showing them a trust in God because God has provided for him repeatedly, time after time and time again. And there's more here. Jesus is in this scripture, and I want you to see this as we look at this again. There's the day of trouble. What bigger plight do we have in this world than sin? What has been more destructive to us and to all of creation than sin? There's the God of Jacob. There is only one God, and there's only one name by which we are saved. And he is saying this is the God of Jacob. Offerings and burnt sacrifices. God's people are called to be a holy people, obedient and trustworthy. Hearts, desires, and plans. Corinthians tells us that we are given a new heart by the Holy Spirit, transformed because of what Jesus has done for us, and that our will begins to conform to the will of the Father. When Jesus teaches us to pray, he says, not my will, but your will be done. There's the joy of salvation. What Jesus accomplishes on the cross is the ultimate salvation. David, in this moment, is actually praying for just victory in battle, but he knows there'll come a day when ultimate victory is given because Jesus sacrificed on the cross. And last, save his anointed. We are God's people as followers of Jesus Christ. We are anointed to be his kids. David is telling the gospel right here. He may not know it yet because it hasn't happened, but he is telling us what is going to happen and bring about in God's people. So you've known me for a little while. Do you trust me? Probably not. Not yet, right? There are different levels of trust, right? You trust me enough to you know, give me some grace and let me talk to you for about 20 minutes. But, you know, you wouldn't let me babysit your kids, anything like that, you know, like crazy West Virginian up here just rambling on. I don't want to trust him with my kids. But why so skeptical? Why so skeptical? I mean, when you're a kid, I've, I remember being a kid and just trusting almost instinctually. My dad would say jump and I would jump right? I mean, shoot, my friends, when I was 16 years old, they say, let's go jump off that rock. I'm like, absolutely, let's do it, right? No problem, right? We had no problem trusting, but then something happens. Something inexplicable and almost inevitable happens. Our trust is betrayed, and we can't really explain why we feel what we feel, but we know there is not something right, and we have trouble trusting anybody else. The person or the thing or whatever it is that we place our trust in, that we pin our hopes and our dreams to, betrays us. It lies to us, and we fall. And for the first time in our lives, at some point, we find ourselves in this situation where we are unable to trust as easily as we could before. I want to talk a little bit about what damages our trust. Actually, I want to talk about what damages my trust. (laughs) That's what I want to talk about. This sermon is just as much for me as it is for any of you all. I want you to hear this. I struggle. I was going to title the sermon, I Struggle. If it wasn't finding joy in trusting God, it would have been I Struggle, right? The struggle is real. The things we trust in are garbage. The things we trust in are garbage. They're doomed to fail from the beginning. We pile all of our hopes and our dreams on these things. 
And we think one of two things. Either we're thinking, we're going to pile it on here. We know it's not going to last, but one day I'm going to move it to something else. But before we can't, it collapses and falls. Or we think, this thing surely can hold all of my hopes and dreams. And ultimately, we keep piling and piling and piling. And you know what? It'll last for a little while sometimes. But eventually, it falls. For me, it was music. I piled all my hopes and dreams on being good at music and being good at teaching. I decided when I was a junior in high school that I was going to be a band director because I'm crazy. No one wants to do that, but I did. So I went to music school. I spent the better part of a decade studying to become a musician. And then I got a job in the education system. And then I taught for three years. And then all of a sudden, God realigned my life. He stepped into my life in a way that I can barely describe, in a way that I've described as irreverent at times. And sinfully, I still describe it sometimes. But he changed everything in that moment. My trust for him was not, I didn't, I didn't take my trust and even place it in. He stepped in and said, you're going to trust me through this. And I'm going to change you through this. And he did. And that's why I stand before you today. Is because the things that I, still there are things that I trust in too much. But the things that I used to trust in were garbage. God is the only thing big enough, strong enough, powerful enough, and will last long enough to outlast this. Um, to quote one of my favorite philosophers, Tyler Durden, we are polishing the brass on the Titanic. We're working jobs that we don't like to buy things that we don't need. When what we really need is to trust in a God that is all-powerful. Number two, we trust in people that are fallible. Some people are amazing, right? Hey, baby, that's my wife, right? Some people are amazing, right? We, we love these people, but people are fallible. It's weird why we trust people. I, I can't think of a logistical reason to trust anybody, if I'm being honest. If without, without the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God and of Jesus and the gospel that redeems us and restores our heart and allows us to go out and trust people, I cannot think of one good reason to trust anybody. Because it's doomed to fail. They are going to fail you. If I remember, I don't trust people because, like I said before, the integrity of their character. I trust them because they love me. They're for me. I trust them because ultimately God grants that trust. He gives that grace and mercy and forgiveness that we all need. We can't exist inside of relationships without that grace and mercy and love and trust. And that all comes from God. So God is the source of all those things. Three, and this one is hard for me. I think I can do it alone or that I do it the best. That has plagued me for almost my entire life. It continues to plague me in my life here. As a matter of fact, part of the reason I stand before you today is because of this one right here. I have a pride issue. And maybe you all can relate to this. I have a pride issue. My pride issue tells me that I know best. My pride issue tells me that I can do it better. My pride issue tells me that I can do it without you. And that's some blatant honesty right there. And there are times where I'm devastated when I realize that's not true. And I have to be, it has to be reminding me over and over and over and over again, you can't do this alone. At best, even if you're a hermit living in the mountains of West Virginia, right? You are interdependent on the people around you. What people do with you affects you. You cannot do this alone. You were never built to do this alone, and you were never meant to do this alone. I was never meant to do this alone. I can't do this alone. And it's a devastating reality of my existence. Before I came here, I was at another church. And at that church, I abused leadership. At that church, I did not listen. At that church, I was not submissive. At that church, I sinned. That was me. And I love to blame it on them. I love to blame it on them. I, love, I would love to just stick it on them and let them go down with the Titanic. I, I, I have no problem doing that in my heart of hearts. That's the honest truth, is I would love to blame it on them. But I'm not the victim. 
Jesus is the victim. Everything I do that is sinful, everything that I do that does not push the gospel forward, is something that is just devastating to my person, is devastating to my call and my belief. And sure, logistically, I can make a great case for you. As a matter of fact, you spend about 20 minutes talking to, you, talking to me, I can probably convince you that I'm right and they're wrong. But ultimately, that's, that's not even the point. The point is that I did not trust God and I still struggle to. And so I think I can do it better. And that's hard to admit, especially in front of people. This is kind of constantly where I end up. And so it's, it's really, it's a, it's a difficult struggle to share, and so I'm being honest with you as I can about it. It's something that if I trusted God, this would not be in my life. But God allows me to go through this because he's working on something in me, and he's working on a trust in him. And before we think that there is no journey and there is no healing involved, listen, this all is a journey, every piece of this. If you don't trust today, odds are you're not going to trust well tomorrow. Maybe not the next day. By the grace of God, maybe he steps in and just renovates your life and you just come out of the gate just trusting. But it's very unlikely. It's very unlikely. It's going to take time to heal. It's going to take time to adjust to a new reality. Uh, my wife and I have talked about this constantly. We want to be ready now. We want to be healed now. We want to feel great now. We want the the safety and the comfort that comes with trust now, but we don't have that because it takes time to heal. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons that we're here, one of the reasons that we've placed some trust in Restoration Road is because we hope to be part of the family and to heal here. And that's hard to admit. It's hard to fathom. I know that even now, even if you relate with this, even if you've been hurt by whomever, and even if you have to go through healing, you need to know that there are other people that, that need this and we're here with you to do this. And the last one, and this is one that I constantly have to be reminded of as well, is we don't remember who God is. Some of us don't know God. Today, there are some people in this room that do not know God. They do not know the character of God. They do not know the God of the Old Testament and of the New. They do not know Jesus. Some of us know Him, have put our faith and trust in Him, and forgotten who He is. One of the biggest reasons that I forget God is because I attribute characteristics of myself to Him, or I attribute characteristics of other people to Him. I don't really start to look at him for who he is. Because the God that I know, the God that I place my trust in, the God that I believe has my salvation in his hands, is an all-powerful God. He's an omnipotent God. He knows everything. He's sovereign. He controls everything. There is nothing that he does not see. He is a good God. He has our best interest in mind. He wants us to have joy and trust. But that's not the God I remember whenever I have trust issues. All of these things, and more, scathe our ability to trust. And so the cynical person, which I very much am at times, says, how can I trust in the midst of all of what seems to be this hopelessness? How can I trust people if they're going to fail me? How can I trust things if they're going to fail me? How can I trust God if I don't know who He is? Jesus is the answer to our dilemma. Jesus has always been the answer to our dilemma. Specifically, it's what he came here to do and what he has done and continues to do. Jesus came here to die for our sins so that we could be saved from the penalty of sin. He currently exists as an intercessor on our behalf to the Father so that we can have a relationship with God the Father. 
He intercedes on our behalf when we pray. He taught us how to pray. Trust doesn't begin with you trusting God. Trust begins with God loving you, demonstrating His love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's from that love that all of the trust comes. We don't have trust without it. It's easy to sound like a victim in all this. It's very easy for me to sound like the victim. And some of you say, you sound like a victim, and it's true. I still have trouble picturing myself not as the victim. I have trouble putting Jesus there. He paid for it. It's His. I, can't, I just struggle to give it to Him. I continually struggle to give it to Him. It's almost like every single battle, as soon as I get done with it, He's like, yeah, I took, that, I took care of that one already. You don't even have to do that. I don't know why you're doing that. And there's trust there that forms each time. Each time I come to Jesus, and each time that I remember the Gospel and what He's done for me, and each time I remember who God is and how great He is, there's more trust there. And there's more value there. So for today, if I could leave anything with you, I want you to remember that God loves you and that He wants you to find joy in trusting Him. What does trust feel like? What does trust feel like? I remember the, the, the trust that I, the most, most trust I felt was not only the embrace of my wife, but a hug from my father when I was young. I know that some of us will struggle with that because we, we didn't have fathers or we had bad fathers, but I, I did have a great father. And we argued. I mean, once I turned 16 and knew everything, you know, we, we went back and forth a few times, right? But I remember very specifically when my father embraced me, and my father was orphaned when he was 13. He didn't, have, he didn't really have a father. And so he struggled to show some of that affection. But I've never, even in all of our struggles, all of our disagreements, through everything that I've gone through, I know that my dad loves me. I know that my dad has my best interest in mind. And I know that whenever I embrace my father and he embraces me, that there is only love and there is trust there. Matter of fact, when I started going through all this stuff, and my dad and I, we, we struggle sometimes to talk and converse and he doesn't like to share. And sometimes if, since he doesn't like to share, I, I do it back to him and I won't tell him things. And, and we struggle. But ultimately, when we were going through all, through all this stuff and this transition and trying to sort out all of my character flaws, which also is a, a ton of fun. If you've never done it before, you should try it. My dad's the first one I called because he knows me. He was like, okay, so they've listed these few character traits, one, two, and three. He said, well, I don't think that this, these two are, but these ten over here, these are, these are your character flaws. Right? So I ended up with more character flaws than I started out with. But I trust my father. God calls himself father. God calls himself father. And I know today that if you're struggling with trust and you struggle with what a father is, then you're going to struggle with trusting God. You'll struggle with viewing God as a father. You'll struggle with finding ways to trust him when the stakes are high. My trust I've found is conditional. If I'm being honest, and I am. I promised I would be honest, so I am. My trust is conditional. It's always based on the value of the character of the person, whether or not they've lied to me. It's conditional on whether or not I think they love me and they have my best interest in mind. It's conditional on how good they are at what they do. It's conditional on, um, I mean, I don't know if they don't mess up. It's, it's so conditional. God's love for me has never been conditional. My father's love for me was never conditional. I mean, he didn't wait until I had some kind of input to give. I mean, you know, you're growing up. I mean, what can a one-year-old do, right? He didn't wait until I was eight to name me and love me, right? He loved me before I could give any input at all. So I just, I guess I wonder, 
as I wind down in my life. And again, some of this stuff may really resonate with you and some of these things may not resonate with you at all. This is, this is me. This is me standing before you and trying to share who I am with you. Flaws and all. When I look at God's love for me, there's a trust there that is like no other. When I look at my God, there's an embrace there that's like no other. When I look at what Jesus has done for me, there is love there. And it's not because I'm capable of all this great trust. I've already told you I'm not. It's not because I'm capable of all this great love because I've already told you I'm not. It's because the God of all creation has changed me in the core of my being. For those of you that have, have experienced this, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. you remember the joy of that moment or that time when you experienced God in your life and it will be like that warm embrace and that trust like you've never had before. For those of you that haven't experienced it, I want you to. I want you to look at who God is in your life. I want you to look at what the Bible says that God is or who the Bible says God is. I want you to look at who the Bible says Jesus is. And we're here to walk you through this. If your trust has been damaged, there is restoration here and it comes only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So to wrap up, sorry to get really intense with you all, I apologize. Trust is a very hard thing for me to talk about. I knew, I knew when Joey gave it to me, it was a hard thing. He knew it was a hard thing. He cheated. There are some, certain things in life that once you know them, you can't unknow them. Once you tasted the bitterness of distrust, you can't unknow it. But I'm telling you today that to, to cease to trust only brings bad things. It brings contempt, bitterness, hatred, deceit, anger, malice, envy. I could list them on and on. But to trust God, we, I don't usually have to explain the joy of trust to people. We know this intrinsically. When you're with the people that you trust, there's comfort, there's safety, there's solidarity. Even in the midst of all the trials, that is there. In fact, in the midst of the trials, that is there. So finding trust in God or placing your trust in God is that safety in the midst of the trials. I appreciate you all having grace with me this morning. If you will, let's bow, bow our heads and pray.